Good evening, brothers and sisters. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Sean Rapier, and I'm grateful for the opportunity I have to share this comedy with you tonight. You know, I gotta admit that uh, when the producer of the show first called me. <laughs> You know, and asked me if I'd do this show. Boy, was I nervous. <laughs> I've been nervous all week. I tried thinking of ways I could get out of it, you know. <laughs> Maybe I should go out of town for the weekend. <laughs> I'll get even with you. <laughs> As I began to prepare these jokes, well, I realized I need this comedy more than any of you. Now, during the course of this comedy, I'm going to try not to get emotional, but if I start laughing, bear with me. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> if you look up the word comedy in the dictionary Welcome to the LDS Mission Cast This is your host, Nick Galetti What you were just listening to was a comedy bit from our guest today, Sean Rapier This episode is all about humor Sean Rapier is a regular contributor to our podcast And those of you that have been listening to our show Know that he interviews people and talk about their missions and share some fun mission stories, but he's also a host of the Latter-day Lives podcast. Some of you may also not know that he is a stand-up comedian. Sean and I have become good friends over the last few months, as you might see from this episode, because today's interview is really more of a conversation amongst friends, talking about our missions, but more specifically about how humor can play a role in sharing the gospel and helping people to resolve concerns, but we also talk about times and places where humor is inappropriate. Missionary stories can be funny, and there are all sorts of stories from missionary work that are hilarious. In fact, the funny parts of missionary work are part of what makes serving a mission so rewarding. But there aren't clear ways that we're taught or instructed on how or when to be funny when it comes to spiritual stuff. So who better than to teach us how and when to be funny and when not to be funny, than a headlining stand-up comedian. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Sean Rapier. Hello and welcome to the LDS Mission Cast. Our guest for this episode is actually one of our, our hosts. This is going to be a really fun episode for me. And we have Sean Rapier on from the Latter-day Lives podcast. Hopefully you guys have taking the time to check it out and go to latterdaylives.com. Yeah. And so 
Sean is here to talk to us, and hopefully we'll get to know him a little bit better because he appears every week on the Mission Cast. Yeah, I, I sort of, what's funny is I, I sort of just intro, and then I sit back and listen or comment or laugh. But Well, yeah. they're great stories. I love the, the funny ones. You have comedians on. You have a variety of people yeah. that, that come on and yeah. talk about various things relating to missionary work, but we'll get to that. So first off, though, we want to get to know who you are and uh, a little bit more about you because this is meant to help our listeners who already like what you're doing get to know you a little bit better. So where are you from originally? So uh, I was born in Southern California, moved to uh, the Bay Area, and I, I really grew up in the Bay Area. Grew up in San Jose, California my whole life. A very different place when I grew up. I'm 45 years old, and it was you could buy a home for under four million dollars <laughs> right. uh, <laughs> right. in San Jose. It was a wonderful place to grow up. I grew up uh, in an LDS family. My father was my bishop when I was a teenager, hence I was completely inactive and uh, <laughs> fulfilling many stereotypes. Yes, w- wonderful. I was every stereotype. This was the 80s. I had purple hair, blue hair. I had no interest in the gospel. Loved punk music. Loved punk music. Yes, all those terrible things. And then <laughs> suddenly I was 18 and had to figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life and uh, had some really spiritual experiences. Led me to go on a mission. Tell us. Don't, don't skip over that part. What, what are the, one of the, so, just give one. So, well, it really came down to, I was just doing a lot of stupid things. I dropped out of high school, but I was a drummer in a band. So I had that going for me uh, in a <laughs> ska punk band. Which, you know, that was going to make me Solid millions. future. Yeah, then I realized I'm a terrible drummer. And uh, <laughs> so I dropped that. But one night, uh, I got home from hanging out with some friends and uh, just felt dirty. Like I needed to take a shower. So I took a shower uh, at about uh, 2 in the morning and went to bed and just felt itchy and dirty. And I went and took another shower. And no matter what I did, I felt itchy and dirty. And I... That night, I didn't really sleep much, and I realized I do not like my life. Interesting. And uh, ended up ended up going back to church, going to a mission prep class, and literally just within a couple of weeks, cut my hair, gave away all my stupid black clothing, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and really just it came together. I wasn't going to go on a mission, but uh, I actually went to a youth conference, and okay. uh, even though I was I was. Uh, 18, you know, but uh, they invited me to this youth conference. I went and I bore my testimony at the end, which wasn't much. And somehow in it, I said, I think I want to go on a mission. Wow. You know, I don't, I don't think I would have been allowed to go today. Uh, so I'm grateful for when I was okay. there. You know, now... Raising the bar. Yeah, they've really raised the bar and, and, and good. I think that's good because we all know missionaries who have struggled. And, uh, but, but I'm grateful I got to go and I had a wonderful mission. I served in the Chile Osorno mission, mm-hmm. the one that no one's heard of. Yeah. Why has no one heard of it? I don't know. I have no idea. It's just as big as any other. Uh, I think Santiago has so many, but you know, people will always uh, say, yeah, I served in Chile, and they go, oh, Santiago? That's probably because it's a bigger, well, more known city. Yeah, sure. And, or Concepcion, or if people go down the list, and they say, no, Osorno. And they go, oh, yeah, no, I, I don't know that one. Wasn't that one of the, where one of the missionary training centers that's going to close? It was in Santiago. Okay. I think. Yeah. But it's definitely in Chile, yes. They yeah. are closing the one in Chile, which I believe is in Santiago. When I got my call, Osorno is such a weird word that I took people for about a week. would go, where are you serving? I go, Chile. It starts with a no. I don't know the mission. I know it's in the southern part of Chile. <laughs> and uh, a good friend of ours, a family friend, John Dalton, who was an area authority down in Southern California, he's my dad's best friend. 
he gave the closing prayer at my mission farewell, and he said, uh, in sacrament meeting, he said, please bless Sean as he serves in the Chile or Osorno. Got through it and all, and he got down, he walked down, and uh, I said, thank you for saying the the prayer. And he said, I think I created a new mission. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, returned from my mission, lived in Southern California. My whole life, I've been involved in comedy. So I, I in high, when I was in high school and, and then even after I dropped out, I was involved with uh, improv troops. I got married in Southern California. I'd started doing some comedy down there. I uh, was in a couple competitions and did well, and then moved out to Provo. Because if you really want to pursue comedy, you leave L.A. and you go to Provo. <laughs> right. Because that's, that's where the happening good plans. <laughs> good pattern to follow. Yes. And so I performed with uh, what's called the, the Garen's Comedy Troupe, which was a BYU troupe. In fact, uh, Lisa Clark, who is one of the hosts of Random Acts, she was in okay. it with me. And just a very talented... In fact, a lot of the guys there have gone on to be... Actors, one of the guys who's in one of the new Stargate movies, uh, he's he was a big part of it. Lincoln Hoppe, wonderful time. But I and I loved improv, but I loved stand up, and so I started performing at Johnny B's Comedy Club. Quickly uh, grew to be a headliner, and uh, have done comedy now, stand up for more than twenty years. Now we need to back up because you don't go from a punk rock drummer, yeah, to going on a mission. <laughs> To becoming a stand-up comic, we yeah. have some kind of stories, and we got the first half of that. Yeah. So, what clicked in you to say, "Hey, stand-up comedy—that's for me"? You know, I had always felt like I had natural timing, and I'd always been told that, and I knew I could always make people laugh. I could think really fast, and uh, and I loved it. And there was something about when you can make someone laugh. You know, we all have our own—we all have our own talents. Some people paint, some people sing, and you get a response from it. And I think that response feeds you and tells you what your art is. And for me, when I can make someone laugh, there is just something about timing. And I just love comedy. I mean, I would study. I say study. I mean, I watch TV. <laughs> Dad, I'm studying. <laughs> Dad, I'm studying for my career, okay? Um, but I just, you know, and I'm, again, I'm a product of the 80s. So Bill Murray and Chevy Chase and all those guys. I just love comedic timing. And yeah. I love comedy. But I also found it was a talent that I had for, you know, if I was interviewing for a job or if I was, you know, uh, trying to meet girls. Comedy really helped me overcome uh, lack of good looks. So, you know, there was comedy (laughs) was wonderful for that. So, yeah. So I I just, I think I naturally kind of had it. My family's very funny. My parents are very funny. One of the things I remember when I was a teenager as many teenagers do, I was fighting with my dad a lot, and I was not on a good path, and I had a job at a bookstore, which is funny, we're recording this in a bookstore. In a bookstore, I was yeah. working for Crown Books, and I left the house, I was wearing a all black, of course, and a bowler hat. Talk about a really? terrible look, yes. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, I was wearing a bowler hat, uh, you know, what, how would you describe <laughs> that, 1920s, you it know. Maybe. Maybe People that like Meet the like Robinsons, that. the yeah. cartoon, might know it's what a bowler just, hat is. I don't know why I thought it'd be cool to wear a bowler hat. And my dad said, uh, you're not actually going to wear that hat to work, are you? Well, obviously I was going to wear that. I was walking out to work. Guy. I yeah. said, I'm going to work now. And I said, yeah, what's the problem with it? He said, well, that's a stup- you know, stupid looking hat. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then that made me want to wear it even more. And I said, well, tough. I'm wearing it. And anyway, it turned into a big fight. Hey, you're kind of a rebel. Yeah. Well, you drummer, know. stand-up comedian, you don't fit the mold. No, not at all. And so we got into a big argument about it. And that night afterward, I went out to a concert and I got home at about two in the morning and there was a, a post-it note on my door. 
and it was from my dad. I recognized the handwriting, and it said, Sean, I'm really sorry about my rude remarks about your hat. It is a nice hat. When I die, please bury me with the hat. Love, Dad. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And we never spoke of that again. But you remember it. But I remember it. And I remember that he used humor without admitting, hey, I was wrong, you were wrong. Whatever. It didn't turn into a, we need to sit down and really talk this through, It diffused it. It diffused it. And humor is a wonderful diffuser. And, And I appreciate that. And so... You know, again, not everyone has, everyone has different talents, but I enjoy humor. So missionary work does not always go together synonymously with humor. Nor should it. Nor should it. Okay. So, but were you the funny missionary? I think so. You know, again, the, the, the way that I would look at humor is that we all have gifts. And I had companions who were very well spoken. I had ones who could access the spirit incredibly well. I had companions who were scriptorians. I'm not smart. And I mean that. I don't mean that to be self-deprecating. I'm just not that smart in a traditional book sense at all. I don't, I cannot remember scriptures like, <laughs> and I'm terrible with the names of, I mean, it's was, was, you know, whatever. I cannot remember them. And so I had to lean on humor, but I found that it made things really accessible okay. to people. It opened, it opened things up. And there are ways to use humor when you're teaching and then there are ways that you should not. But I did use it throughout my mission, and I learned lessons about both. I learned about yeah. times when, hey, it's time to, to dial it back a little bit. But there were other times where I think it worked out, you know, beautifully. Well, and that's the challenge, too, because in the temple, we are counseled to not have loud laughter. Yeah. And so what is it? Where's that line? Where, where, how can we better draw that line as missionaries of where something's funny, when it's not, and your experience can help with that. Do you have any examples yeah. even? Yeah, you bet. I, I would say there are two things. I mean, first of all, I, I believe that there are people who are naturally funny. I mean, I've spent, you know, if you if you listen to Latter-day Lives, I got an email from one of our fans who said, love the show. Gosh, you have a lot of comedians on. Because <laughs> that's my background. Because you do. You know, and, and we do. You have we, other things, but we have, yeah. Yeah, we've had politicians and directors and actors and writers and Dress whatever. Dress designers, all that. We've had Nick Galletti on, as a matter of fact. <laughs> yes, so, we'll post a um, link to that. But, we, we, um, but we've had a lot of comedians on. That, that's kind of my background. One of the things is I, I believe that there are people who are naturally funny. If you're not funny, don't try. I, I don't sing. And so in the middle of a, a discussion... <laughs> I'm not going to say, and now I'd like to sing a solo because I know people like music. No, that's not my gift. You I can't maybe sing. try the drums, though, in the middle I of the I was a really bad drummer. <laughs> I have no, no rhythm either. But, uh, and so use what the gifts that you have. But if your gift is humor, when you talk about loud laughter, yeah, I would say watch conference if you want to learn how to use humor effectively. Okay. You know, there, was, um, uh, there are certain members of the Quorum of the Twelve and of the Relief Society General Presidency, Primary, all all of the auxiliaries who are hilarious and who you can count on. President Monson was very funny. President Hinckley was funny to me. President Hinckley was so funny. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite moments in, you know, and, and humor can be used to bridge difficult situations too. One of my favorite moments was in priesthood session. President Hinckley had been interviewed by Mike Wallace for 60 Minutes. And he said, I'd like to read you his questions and my answers. And he was reading, here's Mike's question, here's my answer. And he said, Mike Wallace said, it seems like the world is going to hell. 
his word, not mine, in a handbasket. <laughs> How <laughs> do you feel? Stop. That little stop of his word, not mine, and the place erupted. That's so funny. Now, what if he hadn't said that? There would have probably been people saying, oh, he just Ooh, said he just, that word yeah. in a conference, and then, oh, is that okay? But it diffused it. Immediately, he acknowledged that there was kind of an issue with that word. Maybe. There could have been. And immediately, everybody laughed, and we moved on. And, and that's where I think humor is. Where I think loud laughter comes into it is when we, when we mock sacred things. Yeah. And so, you know, I think that there are things like, for example, you know, Steve Solberg, who's a phenomenal comedian, was talking about how he and his family had gone through the temple, and, and once they got into the celestial room, something kind of tickled them, and they started laughing. And it was a wonderful memory for them together. I find nothing inappropriate there. They weren't causing a scene. Now, if you're laughing out loud in the celestial room in a and bothering other people, that's a whole different story. However, if he had said, we started making fun of the temple ceremony, that's especially, it would have been especially weird if he had pronounced it that way, ceremony. I have no idea why <laughs> I just emphasis. said Why I put the emphasis on the wrong syllable of, actually, that's a stolen line from Mike Myers. It is. Um, but, you know, and, and so you look at things that are sacred and you don't mock things that are sacred. And I think that's where loud laughter. The other thing I would say is, Humor should not, humor should lift. It should not put people down. Okay. You know, and That's so. That's a good quality. I think the other part of it is you, if you're going to use humor, especially if it's regarding someone else, you better know that person. And you better know that they know that you love them a whole lot. Because, you know, a lot of times we'll make a little off the cuff joke, not knowing what people are dealing with. You know, I mean, it. we would always make fun of each other on the mission about language, about your accent or about your, you know, what, what words you use. It, and people would get stuff wrong and we would crack up. But, but you have to be careful. That person that you're laughing, they may perceive it as laughing at rather than with. Right. I, one of my closest friends on the mission, he was, oh gosh, his Spanish was so bad. And uh, we were at a P-Day and one of the Chilean elders said, and this is after the guy's been out more than a year, one of the Chilean elders said, uh, yeah, usted juegue muy bien. You play really well. We were playing soccer. Okay. And this other missionary who's one of my dearest friends said, oh, yeah, usted es uh, buen, buen jugo también. You're also good juice. Made no sense at all, you know. <laughs> he was trying to, trying to say, you play well also, but he yeah. said, you're good juice. I was on the floor. I could not stop laughing. <laughs> but also, I had had many conversations with that elder where he knew I loved him to the end of time. Right. And he set the tone. He would laugh about it. He would laugh about how he did not have the gift of tongues. And, and so it was something that brought us together. Now, if I didn't know him, I'm not going to take that leap. Yeah, I'm that, not going to give him a hard really time about it. That could have really given him a hard time in a bad way. Absolutely. Could have shut him down. And, and, and again, I would say that if you're using humor, especially, I don't want to say at someone's expense, but, you know, if, if you're ribbing someone, you're giving someone a hard time, I, I would say that the same rule that applies in the scriptures about reprimanding someone, that you show them that increase two times to ten times, whatever. The love. See, this is my scripture memory. I don't know how no, many You times. got it. You're close. A lot, a lot more. How's that? A lot more <laughs> love. I'd say that's the role that humor plays, too. Yeah. You better be showing a whole lot of love. I had an interview experience with David Holland, who was Jeffrey R. Holland's son. Oh, yeah. And he was relating a story. We were talking this really peppy subject about human suffering. 
Oh, and, wonderful. Uh, yeah, no, Lots it's actually very good. There. Yeah, tons. Yeah. But he related an experience where when his father, Jeffrey R. Holland, was president of BYU and was going to give a speech at BYU that opened with a joke. And he showed it to Neil A. Maxwell, who he wanted mm. some review yeah. on. And Neil A. Maxwell came back and said, I wouldn't tell that joke because you haven't, and, and I'm going to probably butcher the quote, you have been, you have, you are insufficient in considering the hallowed ground of another person's suffering. Mm, wow. So he talked about it in the sense that you almost this joke doesn't take into consideration human suffering and what people experience, and you're making light of that, and maybe you probably shouldn't. But it was a gentle rebuke. It was just a, it was a I wouldn't mm. do that if I were you. But it was such a profound experience for Jeffrey R. Holland about the quality of humor and what humor really needs to be Yeah, that he remembered it, taught his son— and his son is teaching his sons and awesome. shared it on our podcast. But it does d definitely speak to the role of humor. He didn't say never make a joke. No. But he did say, when you do, be very careful of where, where you go with it. So back to your mission stories. You've got some funny mission stories. So yeah. I want to hear some funny mission stories and, and where maybe even these principles come out. So we had, when I was on my mission, I was actually... I was very paranoid about being a good missionary. I was worried. And so I... We all up, are to a point, sure. Yeah, I I just, you know, I mean, after we weren't sure if I was going to make it on a mission, I, I found out later, my dad, my dad, as they were leaving the MTC, is when you could still go into the MTC. Uh, when they dropped me off, my dad looked at my mom and said, he'll either be an amazing missionary or he'll be home in three weeks. Wow. Like, and, and he wasn't wrong, you know. I mean, I was in the southern tip of the world for a reason, because... My first three months, every morning I woke up and did the calculation as to how long it'd take me to get home. <laughs> and I go, man, it's just easier to stay. It's terrible. Um, but, uh, you know, we were, so I was made a district leader after I'd been out for a while, my second area, and I was training a new missionary. And I had gotten to know the APs pretty well. They were uh, good friends of mine, and I knew them. And again, comedy requires trust. It just does. And so had I not known them, I would have never done this. But the APs said, hey, we want to come around and we want to visit all the district leaders in their houses. Okay. And we lived with a family. They called them pensions, pensiones. And, and so we lived with this family and they had, you know, kids and whatever. And we had our own room there. Well, I knew they were coming. And this freaked out my companion so much. But what we did was in our room, the family was not members of the church, I went and got some of their empty wine bottles and spread them around our room. I then went and got some of the mother of the house. I went and got some of her clothing and spread it around oh, our lovely. room. I And they came by at about 11 o'clock in the morning, and we were watching out for them, fully dressed, ready. As soon as we saw that they pulled up, I went into, ran into our bedroom. Uh, I had Guns and Roses from their teenage son queued up, ready to play. I started playing the Guns N' Roses, and my companion and I jumped into our beds as if we were passed out that there had been a huge <laughs> party the night before. And we heard the, the mother of the house. We heard the, the APs walk in, and they said, well, where are the missionaries? And the, well, I had coached the mother. She said, they're in bed. They usually sleep till about noon. Nice. And you could hear, uh, they, what? They, they do? And 
they came and they opened that door and here are empty bottles of wine and here are clothing <laughs> spread all over and Guns and Rose music playing. And when they opened the door and they flipped on the light, I kind of looked up as if I'd been asleep and went, wait, huh, what? And then I flipped up the blanket and we got our name tags on and I looked at him and went, ah, <laughs> my companion was so panicked. He jumped up and went, it was a joke. It was all a joke. It was Elder Rapier's idea. It wasn't my idea. You know, so you're like, poor, thanks for poor, selling me out. Poor greenie. Yeah. And uh, Elder Shawcroft, who's a, a dear friend of mine to this day, I think Elder Bagley, it took him a minute to process. Wait, was this really a joke? Or are you covering Elder Shawcroft? And they had done 50 of these visits, you know, or whatever, right. however many they were so tired of the visits being the same. He fell on the bed and he laughed for about 20 minutes. He could not stop laughing. But there was a confidence there. Now, if I had had a problem on my mission, right? With if I were a problem missionary, that's not funny. It's right. too close to home. If I had a companion who was struggling with some things, that's not funny. If I didn't know the APs, that's no way to meet someone. Right. But we had the bond, we had the trust, and uh, we've brought it up many times in the years since. That was really fun. Nice. Yeah. We had a funny story on my mission where I went into a new area. It was the day before Thanksgiving, and my companion who was in the area said, we've got this third discussion with this family, which was not a discussion we taught a lot. Because yeah. you only progress to get people. To it, sure. Yeah. Actually, no, maybe it was the fourth, because I think it was talking about chastity and stuff. Yeah. So we were talking about all this, and we sat down, and he said the whole family's interested to a point, but certainly mom and dad are more interested and in, in all this, but we're going to go and teach this discussion. So we sit down on the couch, and the mom's sitting there, and they have this son that comes in and is kind of acting like he's got a handicap of some kind. Mm. And I didn't know. He didn't prep me yeah. that this kid had, had this issue, but he sat there, and but you could tell that he was behaving that way. Sure. And so you talk to them a little bit differently when you recognize those things. And they would have their kids coming and going from the house, causing mm. all kinds of, you know, where's my motorcycle? Where's this? And, and I'm going to go on a date with this girl, whether you tell me to or not, or, you know, whether you're okay with it or not. It's just all this family drama. And I'm sitting here just being rather resilient to the whole conversation, just because you're not there to right. coach their family and, of and, and all those sorts of things. And after we were going through a bunch of stuff, all of a sudden the kid that was playing like he had a handicap just started crying. And we were like, what is going on? And and he moves this pillow that he had in front of his crotch and it was all wet. Looked like he peed oh, himself. Oh, no. And I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, so we're going to stop talking about chastity for a second while the parents deal, oh, with, this, deal with this yeah. this issue. And so I'm going, man, this is a pretty interesting discussion. But I just went through with it, right? I was, you know how it is as a missionary. You're teaching a discussion. You you let these changes kind of it. bounce off of you. And at some point, they started getting into this little bit of an argument. And the guy turns to me and says, "Hi, I'm your ward mission leader. We were just uh, messing with you." Uh, and and I was like, "Oh!" And oh, then I great. found out they were filming it. They had oh a, no! They had a camera in the corner, <laughs> and so when we went to Thanksgiving with them the next day. They played it. Awesome. And they said, oh, man, funny. you had such a great sense of humor about this that you laughed about it, you didn't get angry, and all this kind of stuff. So this was an area where I think it was it was a moment for me because nobody had ever played a trick on me as a missionary. Yeah. But I appreciated that family differently right. afterwards because yeah. I knew that they were comfortable with missionaries. I knew that they had a certain rapport, and it was fun. Yeah. It made me feel welcome in an area 
where that's wonderful. You know, I needed to feel welcome, I guess. Yeah. And so there are moments where humor can work. And you need humor. I think for full-time missionaries, you need humor. You need the break. You're dealing with heavy things. You've got people who are breaking commitments. You've got whatever. You need those breaks. We had we had a we had a missionary who came in that I was training, and uh, we had uh, we split the area or we split the ward with two sister missionaries who were just mm. wonderful and were so funny. Great, great missionaries. And we had this new. I was training. It was a new greenie who came in, and so we put together this plan and. Uh, I, I said, well, we need to go over to talk to the sisters. So we walked over to their place, and uh, I said, oh, by the way, we're going on splits. And he <laughs> says, well, what do you mean we're going on splits? I said, oh, yeah, we do this once a month with the sisters. And he goes, well, I, I can't be alone with a sister. I said, well, that's more of a more of a guideline than a rule, and, you know, it's it's okay. We'll, we'll, well, you don't think it's going to be a problem, do you? And he says, well, yeah, it's a problem. I... I cannot be alone with a sister. And I was like, well, but she's a missionary. She's not, a, I mean, you know. Yeah. You're both missionaries. Be professional, you know. And we're walking up, and he is nervous as all get out. Well, <laughs> then one of the sisters, when we when we came to the door, uh, one of the sisters had a suitcase in her hand. And he's like, what's going on? She's like, yeah, we're ready for splits. Very nice to meet you. You know, and I said, oh, yeah, after, after teaching today, um, she's staying at our house, and I'm staying with this sister at their house. And he looks at me, he goes, she's staying in our room? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, we do overnight splits. It's not a big deal. It's not, you know. And the, the sisters played it off beautifully. And he just looked like a deer in headlights. And sure enough, he walks off with this sister oh with gosh. her suitcase. You're like, the other sister and failed. I walked behind them. And finally, we got to the corner, and I just couldn't do it anymore. And I said, Elder Kavir, this has all been a joke. And... Oh, he was so relieved. And so it like punched me. This is natural yeah. reaction. He goes, I was gonna walk into the house and immediately excuse myself and call the mission president. Oh <laughs> he goes, I didn't know what to do. Well, oh, that kind of kicked it off with that missionary that we had the best companionship. But that was his first day. But those types of things, I think people I think he appreciated that we loved him enough to kind of do something for him, you yeah. know? And that was something funny that we always looked back and he and I had just tremendous experiences. And you have to be careful, you right? You have to some, be careful. Some people, that is not going to go over well. They could start crying. They could have trauma. It could I, be very scary. I think it's scary. important to read it all the way along. Like right. if if he had really freaked out, he looked more like a deer in headlights. So I felt like we could keep pushing a little bit. If he had really snapped, I would have said, hey, joke gone wrong. Yeah. Total joke gone wrong. We tried, you know. Didn't happen. Didn't I, land. I think, you know, when I look at, teaching the gospel and I look at I look at humor as a diffuser you know it really it really can when I, I had a great experience you know that can be applied to teaching in in uh, elders quorum I was I was a home teacher of a man who uh, one day he said I want to go out to lunch and he was very active you know sealed in the temple return missionary everything we went to lunch and he said I don't believe in the gospel anymore and I don't know what to do about it and I said, okay, let's let's process this together. And he said, well, I've already told my wife and I've already told my kids and I'm going to keep going to church because that's what our family does. But And it was quite heavy. And he said, I would like to share this with the ward so that they understand that I'll still be coming, but I don't want a calling or whatever. And I said, he, he wanted to do it in sacrament meeting. And I talked to the bishop and the bishop said, absolutely not. But, but elders quorum is a great place for that. Now, we had never had this happen before. You know, you don't normally have an elders quorum lesson where one of the members right. stands up and says, I've lost my faith. I'm going to keep coming 
but please don't ask me to bear my testimony or whatever. So we get there to Elder's Quorum, and I've been praying for him a lot. Now, mind you, he's a dear friend enough that he went out to lunch with me. Okay. And asked if I'd sit by him during this meeting. We had a bond. We had a kinship. And he stood up and he shared this. And it was quite heavy and it was very emotional in that room. And when he finished, he sat down next to me. I put my arm around him and our elders corn president stood up. What do you say next after that? Right. The elders corn president went, um, wow, okay. Um, hmm. Thank you. Did he for, know it was coming? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This okay. was all planned. But how do you then jump into a lesson where we're going to talk about something? So it was so awkward and uncomfortable in the room that I finally raised my hand and looking relieved, our elders corn president said, yes, Sean. I said, okay, now that Craig has shared this with us, how does it work? Do we shun him immediately or like, do we just talk about him behind his back? I don't know the protocol. Craig started laughing. The room started laughing. Everybody laughed and it gave an opening to say, and, and the elders corn president took it and said, hey, we should actually talk about that. Craig is still just as much a member of the quorum as he was before. And But afterward, Craig said, thank you for making that comment because, man, that silence was unbearable. Hard. You know, and so, and so it can be used as a transition. The other thing I would say about using comedy, comedy stops being funny at a certain point. And, you know, you go to a comedy club, you expect a comedian to tell jokes all the way through. That's what you're there for. But he doesn't tell the same joke the whole time. He doesn't sell the, tell the same joke the whole time. And it's only a 45-minute show. We all know people who, every time you talk to them, are always trying to make a joke. It makes it impossible. And some people use humor almost as a deflection or so you can't get to know me. And so, like, I do I do a lot of speaking to youth conferences. To I spoke to a group of 55 and over in St. George last week, 240 of them. Nice. Um, yeah, it, but if I were only doing humor, where's that connection? And so I mix in spiritual stories with humor, and it kind of all comes out. It's like ingredients to a cake. You need a little bit of everything or it's not going to work. Right, it's not all sugar. Yeah. So you are doing Latter-day Lives podcast, and yeah. I, I got to get into that because in a way that has become your mission. Uh, yeah, we use that to share the gospel for sure. Yeah, you're, you're – you're, well, to – Tell our audience about what Latter-day Lives is, if in case they haven't listened yeah, to it yet. Yeah, I appreciate it. And so it's it's fun. And thank you, Nick. Uh, I will say to the audience, Nick has been my mentor in all this <laughs> podcasting stuff. Um, in fact, it was really funny. I was using really bad microphones when I started it, and we were talking about how I should soundproof my room. And Nick said, well, maybe if you didn't have junk microphones, you wouldn't need to soundproof so much. <laughs> so I called Nick one day about 15 times while I bought microphones, but I appreciate it, Nick. Yeah. Um, I I just had this idea to have a podcast that would be very pro-church, but there are a lot of fascinating members of the church who have different talents. So we call it podcast with amazing people who happen to be Mormon. The The focus of the show is not necessarily the church itself, but it's Mormons and like... We've had a lot of comedians, a lot of actors, uh, directors, we, uh, you know, just different different people who have different talents on the show. It, it leans heavily toward comedy because that's kind of my background. Missionary work-wise, it's really interesting because I think that it opens the door. A lot of the, the guests I have on are very accessible. And you see them and, and they're cracking jokes and we're laughing. You know, last week we had Josh uh, Fonokalafi who also did a bit for you that was mm -hmm. such a fun story. Oh my god. The alien story. 
So funny. You know, but but then they're also talking about their family and the church and, and all those things. Missionary-wise, it's been wonderful. We have uh, one listener who reached out to me who said, hey, I have a daughter who uh, will not do anything with the church, but every week we drive up to my in-laws, and uh, one week I played your podcast. She listened to the entire thing, and the following Sunday she said, hey, is there another episode of that podcast. He said, right now, Latter-day Lives is about the only church she gets. We love that. You know, if we can kind of bring enough other stuff that people can kind of digest it. I also got an email from, we have really devout fans in Boston. Really? Who are not members of the church at all. They went to St. George, Utah uh, to see Zion's National Park. They went for their anniversary. While they were there, they uh, toured the temple. Then they toured the Brigham Young home. They came home, they were so fascinated with Mormons, those crazy Mormons, that they looked up Mormons, I guess, online. Somehow they found my podcast. And he said, this was, we were probably 12 episodes in. He said, we've listened to every episode. We absolutely love it. By the way, two questions. What is conference and what is an MTC? (laughs) I mean, these are total non-members. He said, we had never met a Mormon before. But he said, we just love the format of your show. So one of the things, I mean, we all know, we do missionary work everywhere we go. I, I would say if you're going to share the gospel, this is this has been my experience. If you find yourself to be naturally humorous, there are a lot of misconceptions about Mormons. And there are people who are surprised when they meet Mormons who make jokes. They just think that we are dour and serious but, all the time. Button up, tied, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah, they clearly never watched the Donnie and Marie Variety Hour. <laughs> I mean, there were comedians abounding in that, right? Yeah. And so one of the one of the things I find is that when you have when you meet people, we have to be careful not to be offended ourselves for whatever people bring to it. But whatever misconceptions they have, lean into it, and lean into it with humor is a great way. I I had a company that uh, I think I shared this on my podcast, but I, I had a company that we had sold. I have a regular job outside. I'm not a full-time comedian, but we were doing a training and uh, the owner of that company came to me and said, hey, uh, people are really nervous because they've never met a Mormon before. And they know you're from Utah. They know you're a Mormon. They're worried about how they should act, how they should dress. I just want you to know that in advance. And so, you know, people, we know what people think of Mormons if they don't know Mormons. And Multiple I stood wives. Up. That's the first thing people think is big love, multiple wives, yeah. sister wives, whatever. I get that all the time. All the time. And that's okay. Rather than getting offended, no, absolutely not. And, you know, this is a teaching moment. So I stood up and I said, I understand that some of you are nervous about me coming into the company and because I'm Mormon. And, and I said, you know, we're just like everybody else. In fact, just last night I was telling one of my wives that I think, and as I said, one of my wives... The owner of the company started laughing hysterically, but some of these marketing people panicked and their eyes got really big. And I was able to say, I'm totally just kidding. I have one wife. That's it. (laughs) By the way, all Mormons who are, you know, devout, actually part of the real Mormon church. And I took a couple minutes to explain it. That broke down that wall. And what that told them was I'm approachable. Right. Come ask me. You're not going to offend me. I went and knocked on random strangers' doors in South America when right. I could barely speak the language. I promise you, you're not going to throw anything at me that I haven't heard. Right. And so humor for that is is great. I was I was on a flight once uh, to Dallas, or uh, to Dallas or from Dallas, um, but uh, there was a lady who sat down next to me, huge hair. I mean, just hairspray for days, 
uh, an older lady and lots of jewelry. And, and she said, hey, where are y'all from? And I said, all of us are from uh, Salt Lake City. <laughs> and uh, I said, I'm from Utah. And she said, oh, are you from Utah? I said, no, I'm from California. For whatever reason, she thought that meant I wasn't Mormon. She said, well, y'all better be careful. You know, there's lots of them Mormons in Utah. And I said, there are lots of them Mormons. There are lots of us Mormons as well. I'm actually Mormon. And she said, oh, oh, well, wow. Oh, there are things you don't know about your church. You better be careful. <laughs> and I said, really, what is it about our church that I don't know? And she said, oh, your church is, your church is rich. They won't tell you that, but your church has lots of money. They would never tell you that. But, but I'm telling you, if you do some investigating, you'll find out that, that your church is rich. And I said, well, I, I hate to burst your bubble, but that's actually not totally correct. Uh, our, our church is ridiculously rich. I mean, phenomenally <laughs> wealthy. Like you have no, what you saw was tip of the ice. We have more money than most countries. <laughs> and she looked at me in shock and I said, I'd like to tell you what we do with that money. And we had about a half hour discussion about temples and about uh, the work that's out there. But it was such a funny way to jump into it. Oh, yeah. Now, if I had gotten defensive with her, probably not having a teaching moment. But again, I'm comfortable with comedy. I'm comfortable making jokes. Yeah. If you're not, that's okay. See, the funny thing I had when I first got on the plane from Salt Lake City to go down to Baton Rouge where I served, yeah. all of my mission companions from the MTC and everybody that was flying out with me, they were all sitting literally next to each other in the same row. There was like six missionaries all across the plane. I was sitting by myself way up in the front and nobody else was near me. Oh, wow. And Which was kind of interesting. Yeah. And this was back when the Labor of Love video had just come <laughs> out, where they yeah. had the plane Fantastic. moment where you're, oh, you're, sub, you're expected to talk to the person on the plane yeah. next to you. Well, the lady sitting next to me, she says, oh, you're one of those missionaries. I said, I am. And she said, yeah, you probably don't want to talk to me. And I said, okay, why is that? She says, because I believe that you missionaries take terrible diseases throughout the world and carry those diseases to all sorts of third world countries and you're causing all these problems and so I'm not really a big fan of what you do. Wow. Now I'm sitting here going the MTC didn't prep us for that one. Yeah. And <laughs> that was my worry. Looking back I should have said, "Yet you feel comfortable sitting next to me on the plane." <laughs> wow. But I I could have used humor yeah. to diffuse but in that moment, as a greenie, yeah. you were just, I just wasn't ready for that. So should people who can find humor and can be funny, yeah, should we maybe look for more ways to be funny? Uh, you know, and again, humor is not always laugh out loud, fall down funny. Right. Humor can be a little comment. It can be an aside. It can be just being comfortable, you know. But yeah, yeah if you're comfortable with humor, I, I would say again, don't try it's one thing I learned as a young stand-up is that if you're trying to be funny, the audience knows. And so I had uh, Clinton... So if it comes natural. If it comes natural. And Clint, Clinton Jackson, who's a very famous stand-up comic, brilliant comedian, he, I opened for him one time. And after the show, he said, you're trying too hard. You're trying to get people to laugh. And if you try to get people to laugh, they won't laugh. It's a knee-jerk reaction. He said, the way you should treat comedy, especially in stand-up, is, hey, I'm going for a ride. And you're welcome to come. And if you don't come, that's on you. And so keeping it casual, you know, one of the, some of the advice I would give, one of the things I'm most well known for, we did a DVD many years ago. Yes, I wanted to bring this up. Several comedians uh, that I still 
it's so weird. I still get recognized from it. Uh, I was out to lunch last week, and a guy came up and said, oh, you're the Mormon comedian. Um, it's called uh, Latter-day Night Live, and uh, I did a bit where I do a, an opening to a church talk, but I, I do basically the opening to my stand-up as if I were giving the opening to a church talk. It's all the rote things we say, brothers and sisters. I'm grateful for the opportunity I have to share this comedy with you. When the producer of the show called me and asked me to do these jokes, I was so nervous. And it's all kind of the rote it's the things riff. that we do. It's the riff, and it's how people open up. That bit, I have no idea why, because it was kind of just an off Because it resonates. Thing, but it resonates for some reason. Every few months, another website picks it up, and it gets this new life of its own. It's actually had, between Facebook shares and YouTube, more than 2 million views. What's funny is there are three responses to it. One is people who think it's hilarious and go, yes, I've known this, whatever. The second one is people who are not members of the church, clearly, because they go, I have no idea why this guy's funny. This is not funny. This makes no sense at all, (laughs) because it really is inside baseball. I mean, it's you have to be LDS to really appreciate that. But the third one's interesting to me. About every 100th comment or something like that, someone will get offended, and they'll say, how dare you laugh at people who are just doing the best that they can? What they don't realize is I'm not laughing at them. I'm laughing at the situation. I'm creating humor because it's something we all do. And it's probably something we should get away from. I have had people send me messages saying, I'm speaking this Sunday and I avoided every one of the pitfalls that you do because of you. You know, and so, which is wonderful. What's funny though is how do you respond to humor when it doesn't quite go right? And people will say, hey, people are trying their best and you're making fun of them. And I have defenders who will come on YouTube and will go, dude, lighten up, get over yourself, what's wrong with you, whatever. Not a person has a real concern. They didn't get the joke, and that's okay. Not everybody's going to. It's not going to land with everybody. Yeah, exactly. And so I actually take the time. I rarely will respond to anyone's comments on anything we do. You know, we've done, we now have those Mormons on YouTube, just me, Michael Berkland, and Danny Drysdale. We do short Mormon videos. And again, comments will be... Sometimes wonderful, sometimes people get offended. And we're very careful to only address the culture of Mormonism, nothing sacred. But I will rarely comment on people's positive comments. But if there's anyone who gets offended, I'm very quick to jump in and say, I'm so sorry that you were offended by this. Here's what my intention was. Here's where my heart was. And I was really doing, I would never, ever make fun of someone. Because there are people who either were born without a sense of humor or had it surgically removed at some point. (laughs) We all know. We all know those people. And that's okay. I mean, again, if you're going to use humor, you have to recognize that there are times where it's just not going to land. Yeah. And if you listen to some of the episodes of my podcast with comedians, it's what every comedian talks about. When was your first real bomb of a show? (laughs) We We all have those moments. You know, and missionaries bomb. Oh, for sure. And not just in humor, but, you know, we've had some lessons that have just bombed. And the ability to overcome that is similar. So how do you get over a bombed comedic performance? I think you, I think you, you know, it's funny because most comedians I know are fairly deep in their own heads, right? You have to be a little bit neurotic to, to want to do stand-up sure. comedy. And to, to open yourself up in that way, it's a very vulnerable thing. In front of a crowd of 300 people by yourself for 45 minutes or an hour, it's rough. And, and so the funny thing is, if you're willing to try to make people laugh, you have to be ready to laugh at yourself. I mean, you have to be. Look around you. God has a sense of humor. 
look at the people in your lives. God has yeah. a sense of humor. I mean, honestly, I mean, you have to have a bit of a sense of humor to say, hey, you know, this amazing gospel and the entire message of it, what if 18-year-old boys run around the world <laughs> teaching that and 19-year-old girls? That's a good idea. Let's make that happen. I mean, come on, there's, there's something funny to it. I think we can do a better job prepping our missionaries that this is the most important work in the world and it's a day job. It's both. And that person that you're teaching, you might bring them the keys to salvation that will change their world and you very well might not. And you're going to have a hundred to one of the people that either aren't going to really listen or are going to slam your doors or are, you know, whatever it is. And so you have to find that humor, I think, between companionships. My best companionships, we had bonds of humor. My favorite companion ever, he was so funny. We were best man at each other's weddings. and He's not naturally stand-up comedy type funny, but he'd do things that were funny, maybe not even knowing it. And we used to teach people, there were people in Chile who just wanted the Americans to come in. They didn't care about the Mormons. It was just... More like, I want to hear these two Americans try to speak Spanish and talk to me. Nice. And we would get people who would be glazed over while we were talking to them. And my companion would turn and make little comments. And I'm, a, I'm terrible because I laugh at everything. I love humor. And so it's not hard for me to start laughing. So he'd be teaching and then he'd turn to me and make little comments. Like he'd be going, bueno, nosotros somos misioneros. This guy's not paying attention at all. Y queremos enseñar algo sobre lo que his eyes are glazed over. Y para nosotros queremos que... I was teaching one discussion and I had just started teaching. I had another companion who was funny, should be an actor, a comedian. So funny with his timing. And... Um, I was teaching this lady in front of us. We were in this huge house, like the ceilings were just massive. And I was sitting and I was teaching her uh, a couch directly across from us. And my companion, I was in the middle of the discussion. He leaned over and he tapped me. And I looked over at him and, you know, the discussion wasn't going super great, to be honest. But he said, "Um, don't look up at the painting. And I looked at him funny and I kept teaching And while I was teaching, I was thinking, what painting is he talking about? And then I realized there was a painting above her head. And I looked up, and it was a painting of a naked woman. It was so funny to me to try to continue (laughs) to get this discussion going. And you know what? The truth is, it was never there with her, you know. But it was such a funny moment between us, and that's how you build bonds. You know, I I have a funny story that I want to share with you. And this is missionary funny, not stand-up comedy Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was a moment where I was tracting this is my last area and my mission companion and I were both going home at the same time so mm. we were both in our wow. last couple weeks which is pretty rare yeah I've never heard of that and we were in Port Sulphur Louisiana which is about an hour and a half south of New Orleans and most people don't even know that you can go that far south I had no idea but it's in this there's a lot of oyster fishermen orange farmers and it, nice people but a very unique breed of people to go that far south and find that to be a great place to live so anyway, we're tracting along and we come to this house and the husband and wife were both there. And we sit down on the porch and we do the, we would love to share a message about Jesus Christ and his gospel. And they, oh yeah, 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 let's do that, let's do that. So they sit down and we're sitting there having a conversation and talk about glazed over. Yeah. Cajuns have a way of glazing over that's slightly different than other people <laughs> because they don't want to glaze over God. Oh yeah. But they want to appear connected to what you're saying. 
Yeah. Because, you know, religion is important to them. So we're sitting there talking, and, and you could tell that they're not, because you'd ask a question, and they're just nodding their head and saying, yep. 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 And you're like, you're not <laughs> paying attention at all. Yeah. So in the middle of the discussion, I flip over to the part at the end of the Book of Mormon where it talks about not baptizing people who aren't accountable because they don't have enough of an education. Yeah. <laughs> And so I started reading. <laughs> I started reading, <laughs> and I asked them, "Do uh, you feel that you have sufficient uh, ability to understand the gospel like that of an eight-year-old?" Oh, that's fantastic! And they uh, kind of just gave the, gave the same. Yep. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. And I'm like, "See, because I don't think so." And oh, and so I Nick, said, "So I wow. said, so we're gonna go ahead and finish our message with a prayer and move on." If that's okay with you. Yep, yep, yep. that's okay, that's yep. okay. I'm like, yeah, they're not even listening not at even all. Not even catching a word. So, so after we're done, we're walking away, and my companion goes, where did you get the stones <laughs> to do that? And I'm like, look, they weren't even paying attention. So yeah. what? I wanted to make sure we were dealing with someone that could even that's be worth our so time. That's so funny, Nick. So anyway. Those are the great moments that you look back on. And again, you should I never— I shouldn't have done it. You, we should never do things at the cost of other people, but if they're not following, they weren't going to follow that anyway. It, that was kind of my test. Yeah. I wasn't trying to be funny. It was no, actually a test. but it's also a moment between you and your companion. Right. And I look back, I had a, I have an inside joke with at least, at least one with every one of my companions, and I think that's where it's important because missions get lonely. Yes. They get hard. And again, the humor should not be, we should not mock anything right. sacred. We should not mock covenants. We should not mock people's testimonies, nothing like that. We, we learn on our missions what works and what doesn't work. And it's funny because by the time you get home, you go, man, I could have done that mission so much better yeah. knowing what I know now. And, and teaching, teaching missionaries that there are going to be up days and there are going to be down days and that you got to rally and that you've got to laugh sometimes and you got to find those moments, find those moments that are just funny. And again, you may not be funny in the traditional stand-up sense. That's okay. Whatever you find your humor in, there's joy. And and again, look to the general authorities. I mean, so many of them are just funny. I mean, uh, you know, just, just downright funny. And some aren't. Yeah. And some really do not use humor at all. Laughing isn't the gauge of what's funny. Yeah. Appropriate funny. Absolutely. And and But it's a relief. And, and I would just say... Again, if you naturally have that in you, don't be afraid to use it. Yeah. So this is how good of friends we are. We've, yeah. We've been talking for 53 minutes. What? Yeah. Didn't oh, you've got feel a lot like of it. editing to do. <laughs> well, could I, could I leave with a closing thought on missionary uh, Absolutely. I would humor? love that. So I do. I have a full one-hour set that I'm working on that's called Getting Ready for Church. I've got about 35 minutes of it done. Okay. That uh, eventually we're going to record and do as a full thing. But uh, this is this is actually, this is material from it. But you know that if you are in an airport, you know they still have payphones. And the only reason they have payphones is for the missionaries. Because they're the only ones who still use a payphone. <laughs> I mean, literally. And now I think some missionaries get to go out with their phone. Like yeah. They get to take a phone with them. Yeah. But there are still missionaries who use payphones. And so this is really fun. If you're ever in an airport, I highly recommend this. I go to Salt Lake Airport all the time. I'm yep. there almost every week. Always missionaries. And you've got the two missionaries. They're signed together, you know, or a group. But there will be two of them, and one of them will be on the phone. I love you too, Mom, and I'm so sorry. And his companion's standing sentry. 
His companion's standing there. I am not going to get more than two feet away from my companion. Now, his companion's tied to the wall because right. he's on his phone. So here's what I do. I like to run up to the companion, the, the guy who's not on the phone. I like to run up and say, hey, excuse me, excuse me, what's your name? Just your first name. What's your first name? This catches them off guard. They're not used to being elder yet. Right. And he'll say, oh, my first name, my first name's Joe. And I go, Joe, oh, never mind, forget about it. And look at me curious, like, what are you talking about? Oh, I just I had the weirdest dream last night. There was a guy who looked just like you, and he said he had a book for me that was going to change my life. Oh, but his geez. name was his name was Elder, never mind, and then I run off. Because <laughs> he can't leave his companion there. Yeah. <laughs> Elder, get off the phone. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, Don't ever do that. That is so cruel. <laughs> so darn mean. Is it though? Or is it just <laughs> you're not insulting him? <laughs> That is really fun, though. Yeah. I have a good time with the missionaries. Well, and thank you again for coming in and talking about how mm. humor is part of missionary work. It's tar- part of mortal life, and we really should be able to find ways to enjoy it and appreciate it when it comes up. So thank you again. Make sure everybody that's listening, check out the Latter-day Lives podcast. It's awesome. It comes out every Monday, and there's always something fun and entertaining to listen to and get to. you feel like you meet these people Yeah, it's after really, you're done. it's been such a blessing, and, and if you enjoy mediocre comedy check out those mormons on youtube we have two videos up we're shooting our third right now but uh it's uh it's a lot of fun there's there needs to be more ability for us to have fun with our faith absolutely i think that's the way god wants it yeah thanks again thank you that's all for this week thank you for listening to this episode of lds mission cast Moving forward, we're going to be changing things up a little bit. We're going to have shorter interviews. We're going to have some practical mission hacks and even some suggested activities for people who are looking for new ways to be involved in missionary work. We hope you're enjoying the show and getting some valuable content that's inspiring to you to be a missionary, to be a disciple of Christ. You can listen to past episodes at ldsmissioncast.com or subscribe to our show in iTunes. Thanks for listening. Let's tune in next week for another episode of the LDS Mission Cast.